0: News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 101 of the Luke Macias Show. We are going to cover today what happened when it came to the House Rules Debate. Really, what did we learn this week in the Texas legislature? And what we learned can really be summarized with looking at the debate over the rules that govern the Texas House of Representatives. But to start, I kind of have to probably start by talking to you about what the rules are, because so many of you might not fully understand what a debate on the rules would even mean. And so we're going to talk about what they are, and then we're going to talk about what we learned I started recording this episode. My daughter was literally right on the other side of that desk and I tried, I'm kind of like trying to watch her while my wife makes dinner. It's Sunday evening and I'm recording this episode. Needless to say, she was not being quiet. So I had to take her downstairs and get her set up and entertained with her aunt who's taking care of her while I record this, but I am going to let her come back up and uh, wish you all goodbye on our way out. So we'll see how that goes for this episode um so first and foremost we're going to talk about what the rules are so the texas house swears into session and they have 140 days remember the texas legislature only meets for 140 days every two years that's less than i don't know maybe any other state in the nation but definitely one of the least amounts for any other state in the nation it is a good thing because government finds it harder to grow. But here's the problem. Government has still grown considerably in the last 10 years. So this idea that just because we don't let politicians get together, government won't grow, doesn't really work. And then it's a new situation in today's day and age where we literally have a governor who thinks he's king and can pass any laws he wants when the legislature is not meeting. So now there's no constraints on the amount government can grow. So we've actually lost the point of having very little legislative session time and we're going to get into that a little bit towards the end. But what are the rules? So within the first couple days of the legislature beginning, they establish rules for themselves by which they will govern their conduct throughout the legislative session. Most of what is in the rules package that's presented to the legislators, uh, which you can find uh, if you research House Resolution 4, just search Texas Ledge and click right there that come click the thing that comes up at the top it's capital.texas.gov and search hr4 you'll find the rules that they voted on you'll actually find all the votes that I'm going to go through today if you do that so the rules basically govern them and most of the rules apply to what legislation comes up and how the process works what committees will be established how those committees will operate who will ap- who will assign the committees. All of the things you hear about regarding how the legislature works are often established within the rules. And essentially, they just don't change the rules very often. And when they do make changes, they try to make them small. They make incremental changes. Not so within the rules package that was presented to the legislature this go-around, but that'll get into some of our takeaways. So, they present the previous rules with basically some changes that they want to make. And leadership is pretty much presented in the body their view of how the legislature should be run. So the person who presented this to the body was Todd Hunter. In the past, it's been John Smithy. Both of these men are very senior members of the legislature. They are people that a lot of people respect. They're individual legislators that have a lot of respect. And they're also trying to make sure that they're shooting everyone straight as far as what each rule does, right? So this kind of sets the tone for how the legislature is going to operate and act. Well, H.R. 4 was presented to the body and they all saw it about, I guess, 24, 36 hours before it came. I guess 36, maybe more than 36. But the point is a day or two before they got H.R. 4 filed. So each and every legislator could look at the rules. Here's one of the big takeaways from the rules debate. Leadership is actually still the minority of the Texas House. So basically, the Democrats in the legislature, some of them will benefit from leadership, but they really are their own caucus. And then you have a lot of different Republicans who are not yet brought into the inner circle of who leadership is. They're not quite associated with leadership. When Joe Strauss was the speaker, um, actually based on this, he had a much better hold on the legislature. When Dennis Bonin took over the speaker, he definitely had figured out how to basically get a majority of the legislature on his page and had the ability to sell to them what he wanted them to do. This rules package came to the House and was not only a bigger power grab for the position of speaker that I've seen for leadership as a whole that I've seen in recent history, but it also was pretty resoundingly rejected and big portions of the bill were stripped out. And you saw conservatives, moderates, Democrats, all saying, whoa, 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 whoa. These rules changes are crazy. I'm gonna give you a couple of them. We'll get a little wonky here, but hopefully you learn a little bit about some of the attempted power grabs that leadership was making. So they wanted to create a new calendar, okay? I'm gonna explain this real simply. You have the local and consent calendar. Those are for local bills or bills that get unanimous votes out of a committee okay these are honestly usually not very substantial pieces of legislation sometimes they are but more than off more often than not they are not and so they go on to this different committee and then they go on to a different calendar that operates in a much quicker pace than the rest of the calendar so these bills can honestly pass within seconds of being on the house floor it can be presented in front of people and pass okay now there is a process by which those bills can get taken off pretty Easily. And so that's basically designed to say most of these bills are not going to be consequential to anybody. Really conservative people, really liberal people, people in the middle. It might be renaming a highway. Okay. It might be um, some local bill that needs to be tweaked for somebody's mid sized city regarding their regulation of the riverways in their community. And so this is not something that's a massive debate. It's something that was agreed upon by local legislators. They're all pushing for their communities. And so it's going to have unanimous support. So most of these bills fly through. And then you have the general calendar. And that general calendar gets broken up into two sections, major state, and then just the normal general calendar. And the major state calendar is basically really big issues. This could be emergency items of the governor's Uh, you know, emergency declaration. There could be massive bills regarding abortion, immigration, the budget that gets passed, major water reform on all of our water policies, something like that. Any of these bills would be considered major state issues. So they kind of get put on this calendar that takes a lot longer to address. And then you have the general bills, which are still substantive bills. And it's assumed that there's basically different opinions on differing sides. So they're going to have a significant amount, potentially a substantial amount of debate on those pieces of policy. Well, the new rules were going to create this thing called a consensus calendar. And this consensus calendar was going to give the calendars committee, a committee that's solely chosen by the speaker, A bunch of discretion to take any bills they wanted and stick on this calendar. And when they did, you wouldn't be able to amend the legislation on the House floor. This was essentially going to make the Texas House a heck of a lot more like Washington, D.C., where you talk. In fact, I've had numerous conversations the last couple of years with a bunch of congressmen in D.C., and they constantly talk about the fact that I'm not even allowed to represent my community because Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer basically get in a room and decide all of what's going to be in this bill. And then they get to even decide what gets debated on this bill. So I can't even change one piece of a... Piece of legislation. Many times a bill might get to the floor that a legislator likes 95% of it, but they don't like 5%. And in the Texas House, you're able to offer an amendment that takes out that 5% and then make an argument for why you think that makes the bill better. And there's an up or down vote on that piece of legislation. There's a record sometimes of that vote, and that'll get into another conversation we're going to have. So essentially, this consensus calendar to boil it down was going to give leadership the ability to take a bunch of bills and stick them on this calendar. And they weren't going to be allowed to be amended. And uh, and I'm I'm simplifying this down. So if you're like a wonky Texas ledge guy, you're going to know that there's like slight nuances. You could actually amend it on third reading. You couldn't amend it on second reading. But I don't have time to explain to the normal person what second reading and third reading is. Take my word for it. You basically could not amend these bills unless you got pre-approval from the calendars committee. Okay make it much harder to touch these bills, to change these bills, which a lot of people didn't like because leadership would then have the sole discretion to say, eh, maybe somebody wants to change this bill to something we don't want it to be changed to. Let's put it on this consensus calendar. Well, there's clearly no consensus about this bill. Democrats didn't like this because they might want to change this bill. Conservatives didn't like it. They don't want to change the bill. A lot of people in the middle, moderates in the party, I know that many of them were going, what is this? This is a horrible calendar. Who knows what could be done with this calendar? So that got stripped out. There was also an attempt to make it harder to call a record vote, right? Now, one member on the Texas House floor can say record vote. And now your vote that you're about to take on an amendment, on a bill, on anything in second reading is now recorded. And they wanted to require three members to ask for that. A lot of concern. Why would you want to make it harder for politicians to be on the record? Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, right? But that was what leadership was moving in the direction of And then the last thing they had is bills on major state. Essentially, they were trying to make it harder to amend those bills. And by the way, these are the most substantive bills the legislature debates all session. So they basically said in the middle of a pandemic, we're going to have a whole lot of interesting, deep, serious policy we're debating. But we want to make it harder for each and every one of you as members to actually amend those major pieces of legislation. Which, of course, the body said, no, we don't want that. So there was a whole lot of uproar amongst a whole lot of legislators and leadership had to strip those provisions. So that's why the first thing we learn is that leadership is actually still in the minority. Unlike Dennis and unlike most of Joe Strauss's time in the legislature, Dade Phelan does not have really a significant amount of sway amongst the majority of the legislature regarding his overall desires as their leader. That was a good indication. Todd Hunter basically got up, explained everything, did a very good job on that day, explaining each and every one of the different pieces of uh, rules that had uh, each and every one of the rules that had been proposed and why. Um, And then he said, hey, I've met with all of you and gotten your feedback and we're going to be stripping these three provisions out huge victory for conservatives. Texas Right to Life, other groups had come out and said, we oppose these different rules for these different reasons, and uh, and they were taken out. So a lot of conservative groups who were concerned with how these rules were going to affect conservative policy saw a big victory during the debate of H.R. 4 when these three amendments were stripped out. And it also revealed to us that leadership's not necessarily... A big majority of the Texas House right now. And that'll get into things. You just have all these factions within the Texas House right now, and it's going to make for an interesting session. The other thing we learned is that Democrats are still more influential than conservatives. And how do we know that? Well, uh, Brian Slayton brought two different amendments to the Texas House. One, Brian Slayton is a freshman state representative. We have a conversation with Brian Slayton on this podcast, um, just about his testimony of resilience of getting to the Texas House. So as a freshman conservative, he got up and offered two amendments. One was to say that Democrats cannot chair committees that are going to oversee Republican priorities. And why would he do that? Well, just to let you know, last session, Dennis Bonin appointed Democrats to chair the Public Health Committee, and the Public Safety Committee. And these two committees oversaw constitutional carry, which is a top GOP priority and has been for several sessions, and the Heartbeat Bill, which is actually a bill that was passed in Louisiana by Democrat legislators signed into law by a Democrat governor. And yet our Republican legislature not only didn't pass the bill, but they actually referred it to a committee that was chaired by a committee chairman appointed by Dennis Bonin, who is a Lifelong pro choice Democrat. Now, let me quickly explain to you what a chairmanship is. Each of these chairmanships have different domains that they oversee, and the speaker appoints chairman to each and every committee. So he says, You are going to be the chairman of appropriations and help write the budget. You're going to be the chairman of public health, and you're going to help oversee all of these public health related bills. And then he also appoints most of the members to those committees. Some of them get to be selected by seniority. Okay. But when a bill comes to a committee, there is nothing that requires a committee chair to hear that bill, to vote on that bill, to debate that bill, to allow that bill to advance through the process. So when you appoint someone as chairman, they are given sole power over that entire domain of policy. And and Dennis Bonin saw fit to give Democrats sole power over all Second Amendment legislation and sole power over the heartbeat bill. So Brian Slayton said, hey, maybe we could actually put in the rules that the minority party, that's the Democrats, may not chair any of these committees so that this doesn't happen again. And uh, there were only, I believe, 18 Republican members who agreed with Brian Slayton and voted for that amendment. The rest voted against it. Now, not surprising to anybody. Every single Democrat voted against it. Of course, they want those chairmanships. They were just given those chairmanships last session. Why would they not want them again? Um, I think Matt Schaefer actually uh, had a great comment on this. Of course, Brian Slayton uh, brought it to the body. Kyle Biederman and other members stood up and applauded his efforts and actually encouraged their colleagues to do so. Matt Schaefer, after the vote, tweeted out, I voted for a rule to require all major standing committees in the Texas House to be chaired by a Republican because I believe that expresses the will of the voters. And Mays Middleton retweeted that. He said, as did I, November 3rd was a clear mandate for conservative policy and conservative legislation in Texas. So Mays and Matt got it, this issue. They said, hey, we've got to advance the ball. This is what we're called to do. We're going to stand up and do this but only 18. And later on, Brian Slayton offered another amendment that said, Democrats can't chair any committees, period. And what he said, he had a great quote during this conversation. He said, at least when you vote Democrats out of the majority in Congress, you're not punished with Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters' leadership. Which is a great point, by the way, because in Texas, sometimes we work really hard to keep the Republicans in control, and then they give away the power to the Democrats on key policy issues that matter to us. And what message does that send to Republican voters in Texas? Unfortunately, there were only, I believe, five votes on that bill. Maybe six, actually. I believe Mays Middleton voted for that amendment as well. So six votes on that amendment, of 150 state reps. So what we learned was Democrats are still more influential than conservatives. We also learned that abortion is still an issue that matters to a majority of the GOP caucus. So Representative Slayton had a third amendment that uh, caused a lot of stir. In fact, um, you know, if you watch the Texas House floor, by the way, you'll know that something big is going on when there's just kind of silence, okay? So if any of you are watching the legislature from home and decide, you can live stream it. And if you're watching it, you'll sometimes see just things come to an end and nothing's happening on the floor. But what you'll see is this little congregated group of legislators. It might be at the back mic. It might be at the front mic. It might be right to the side, four, five, six. You might see three or four start to talk and then more members start walking up. And if you watch that, just to let you know, Texans, if you're watching it, that means big conversations are happening. This is basically what we call the table. People talk about having a seat at the table often in the legislature. They say, yeah, hey, I want to do this because I want to get a seat at the table. Well, this is the table, okay? And anybody in this little huddle has now got a seat at the table and they are talking. Usually, it's an attempt to get somebody who's pushing a particular policy or issue or rule change to not do what they're doing. It's a negotiation. It's a debate. It's an attempt at compromise for one reason or another. So Brian Slayton had another rule, and let me explain what this rule did. He said that no bill could pass the Texas House floor that renamed a bridge or a highway until the floor, the Texas House, considered on the floor and voted on legislation that would abolish abortion, which is one of the top Republican priorities in the Texas GOP platform. And he basically made the argument that said, There's, we got priorities. And we've all been told that this session is going to be a busy session. We have to focus. And just to let you know at home, I mean, there are hundreds of roads and bridges that get renamed all the time. And so saying, hey, before we do that, we should probably start with some more important things. And one issue that would probably be good to focus in on is the the genocide that Texas is taking, uh, is participating in. The genocide that we here in Texas participate in with tens of thousands of dead, unborn children every year through the atrocity of abortion. And uh, that was met with some criticism. That was met with a lot of Republicans teaming up with every single Democrat to kill even that amendment. Now, we have a problem in Texas, which is that even when we're trying to advocate for the right policy, even when conservatives advocate, even when conservative activists show up and ask their legislator to do the right thing and he does the right thing, more often than not, a minority of the GOP caucus teams up with the entire Democrat caucus that will vote as a block and they stopped those conservative things from happening. And that happened with this abortion amendment by Brian Slayton. I believe when the dust settled, something like 46, 47, 48 Republican members of the 82 that were there. So 41's 50%. Okay, anything over 41 right now is a majority. A majority of the GOP caucus said, yeah, that's, that's a rule that we should have That's what a vote for a rule is. That is a rule that should govern the Texas House of Representatives. We should not rename any highways or bridges until we just vote on abolishing abortion. By the way, the Texas House could vote and not pass legislation to abolish abortion, but at least bring it and give it a chance to happen. And a minority of the Republican caucus teamed up with every single Democrat and said no. We do not want that rule to govern the Texas House of Representatives. So what do we learn? Well, we learned that abortion is still a very serious issue that matters to a majority of the Republican caucus. And we learned that a minority of Republicans, if they team up with every Democrat, can stop any advancement of conservative policy. We learned that this session might be led by freshmen and and less senior members of the Republican caucus. Kyle Biederman, Tony Tinderholt, Brian Slayton, Jeff Kaysen, Cody Vasut, Mays Middleton, a lot of members who stepped up on this day to advocate for, advance, make arguments for Steve Toth. We're going to talk about one of his amendments here. These are less senior members. A lot of the old guard, a lot of the members that are the most powerful members in the Republican caucus are not going to be our leaders this session, if by our, I mean conservative Texans who believe we need to advance a conservative agenda this session. Now, I my, what I said we learned is that this session might be led. Why? Because any of those senior leaders and members of the Republican party could step up at any time and say, I'm going to lead on that issue. They could do that. They can say, that's the issue I'm going for, and we're going to make it happen this session. Democrats just spent $100 million trying to flip the Texas House. Republicans held on to it. Let's advance our agenda, period. You're going to see this year that Joe Biden, the Democrats in Congress do an excellent job advancing an agenda. Will we do the same in Texas where we control every single one of these houses, the Senate, Congress, the governorship. I don't know. We'll have to see, but it looks like we are likely going to be led. Conservatives are likely to be led by less senior members. And if you look at that day, people like Jeff Kasin and Cody Vasuda, and Mays Middleton, Brian Slayton, Tony Tenderholt, Jeff Kaysen stand out as ones who were stepping up to the plate. We learned that if you try to change the status quo, you will be criticized. And Brian Slayton received a significant amount of criticism for standing up to push these things by senior, more senior Republican members. Another thing we learned is that the Texas Freedom Caucus is all over the place, and um, and this is something that as I looked through all the votes, I couldn't help but but recognize. Steve Toth had a really good amendment that he brought to the rules. Um, so the legislature, many conservative members have said, hey, we really need to address these executive orders that are just being passed willy nilly. We have a governor that thinks with the stroke of a pen, he can pass a law into effect that shuts down a business. This is a problem. Well, now the legislature is in session, but the governor can still declare an emergency and still rule these people with the power of the pen, not through a law passing the Texas House of Representatives." And a lot of legislators have said during the interim when their small businesses in their district who are being closed by the governor would come to them. I saw this so many times. Hey, just to let you know, I signed this letter that was by these representatives asking the governor or asking this state agency to take this action that would be good for my small businesses. Well, now they're in the legislative section, which means they can stop those unconstitutional mandates from happening. And Steve Toth brought a great amendment That said, basically, if 25 members of the legislature sign on to a trigger, sometime petition, I'm going to simplify this down. Then each, then a bill handling these executive powers can come to the floor. Okay. And it would have fast-tracked legislation to stop the governor's dictatorial executive orders. And... A lot of Republicans, uh, a good amount of Republicans voted with Steve Toth. In fact, I'll just pull up the, I'll pull up the amendment while I'm sitting here. The, uh, the legislation got 17 Republicans that voted. Actually, not all Republicans. Rafael Chia voted with him. He's a Democrat. The rest were Republicans. And uh, so 16 Republicans and one Democrat said, yeah, let's fast track that legislation. And there, the, every Freedom Caucus member in there except for Matt Shaheen was there. Um, it looks like Kaysen and Slayton. Um, and uh, what else am I looking here? Stevenson, Schofield, James White, Terry Wilson. All these people voting with Steve Toth at the time. Jared Patterson, Michael Schofield, I think I already said him, but not Matt Shaheen. And Matt Shaheen is in the Freedom Caucus. And it was just really interesting to see. I mean, the Freedom Caucus has put out some really good uh, material saying that they are prioritizing executive orders this session. But when it came to establishing a rule that would have been able to fast-track legislation that actually did that, we talk about being effective or doing things for show. Letters are show. Votes are effective. Rules that actually advance something is an effective tool. Bills moving through the process, effective and Matt Shaheen voted against that. Another example um, would just be that Valerie Swanson opposed a lot of amendments. I saw her constantly throughout the day voting, really uh, separate from most of her Freedom Caucus counterparts. Uh, Briscoe Kane, actually, during that piece of legislation, while Matt Schaefer and Mays Middleton are saying, we have a clear mandate to keep Democrats off of these key committees. We need to do this. Matt Schaefer's saying, we've got to do it. He believes that this expresses the will of the voters. Briscoe Cain voted with every single Democrat during that vote. So what does it say when you have a group of lawmakers in the Freedom Caucus that are you know, separate from the Republican Caucus as a more conservative group, and on nearly every single one of these conservative issues, one of them, two of them are breaking off and voting with all the Democrats? not a good sign. Um, It is important to understand that Brian Slayton, who led a lot of these things, Tony Tinderholt, Kyle biederman casen are not members of the Freedom Caucus, um, but within the members that are there, we just saw a whole lot of uh, disunity. And in order to advance a conservative agenda this session, we are going to need people like Brian Slayton and Jeff Casey and Tony Tinderholm, and Kyle Biederman and all the Freedom Caucus members and all of those Republicans who voted with Brian Slayton to prioritize abolishing abortion in Texas to work together. A majority of the Republican caucus is going to have to decide if they get to govern the agenda of the legislature. And and that's why a lot of these people are concerned, because remember, from the beginning, we already know that Dade Phelan bypassed the Republican caucus process. He bypassed that so that the Republican caucus didn't choose their leader, but instead Democrats got to help him get the votes he needed to become speaker before. And that set up a a situation where the Republican caucus is not the one who's driving the agenda. So they're gonna have to basically work to claw that power back and that influence back. And a majority of the Republican caucus is gonna have to step up and demand that change. Those are some of the lessons we learned this week in the Texas legislature with the debates on the house rules. Today was Sunday, I was at my church and my pastor asked me to get up. We have a prayer section during our service where uh, a member gets up and, and prays down a list of different things for, um, so we pray for other churches in our city. We pray for uh, churches around the world, maybe a specific place Today was Brazil, so we prayed for the Church of Brazil. We pray for people in our midst, the membership in our midst, and different things that are ailing them or different uh, praise reports. We pray for our enemies. And that one stuck out to me today because we're in the middle of a legislative session. So I am in a position, and many of you who are listening to this are probably in a position where we're about to spend 130-some-odd days aggressively advocating and uh, looking at, evaluating, talking about, debating policy in some form or fashion. We're here, this show is to report and educate you on what's happening, and then you can decide what to do with that bit of information. And outside of this show, I might spend different amounts of energy and time looking at all these areas and even fighting for them. But we're literally called to pray for our enemies. And so today in church, I, along with people in my church, had to lift up our enemies. That would include Democrats and Republicans who work against the advancing of pro-life policy. That would be an enemy, unfortunately, for the unborn, right? And there's a lot of people I, I know that disagree on this issue. And I go, look, I know you on a personal level. When it comes to an unborn child, the position them in the womb, you are an enemy if you are literally against that policy that would protect them and treat them like a human being, just like you and me. My opinion of you does not determine whether you are a human being with all of the rights and the value that comes with that. And the same goes for the unborn child. But we are called to pray for our enemies, which means that we, when we do that, by the way, we, it will literally change your attitude. You will have to approach people differently. Anyways, I am so grateful that you decided to join me this week for episode 101 of the Luke Messiah show. Um, I'm going to let my daughter take y'all out. Let's see how she does here. And I really do hope you have a blessed week. God bless you. And God bless Texas. The last thing I will say, I just remembered is that we are going to be moving the Luke Messiah show to Tuesdays. So, uh, the last several weeks, it's just been kind of all over the map and I apologize. That's my fault. So we are going to be moving it uh, from Monday to Tuesday. Often I've been recording these things on Sunday and then we release them on Monday, which works sometime. I found that recording them earlier than that just makes them less relevant. So if I come to you on Monday on something I recorded on Thursday, truthfully, it might be out of date. It might not be as relevant as it could be like this week's. So, um, so, giving myself Monday to record that information so that y'all can be presented with it Tuesday. We are going to go back to that. I do want to make sure that in 2021, you're consistently brought this content in some uh, in a way that you can foresee. We will also potentially be doing some other episodes middle of the week outside of Tuesdays. Those will be in addition to what we're doing. Uh, and those will be different conversations with legislators, with Um, with people who are advocating down at the Capitol on certain issues and for them to be talking and commenting on what they have going on. So um, we will be just for the session for the next 130 days, 135 days, be bringing you some additional, sometimes in the middle of the week, a second episode. But anyways, we are going to move our normal weekly episode release to Tuesdays. So with that, God bless you and God bless Texas. Bye. Bye. Hello? Bye. Hi. No bye. Okay, bye. What does bye mean? Uh bye means when you're really too smart. When you're too smart? Yeah. What do you mean? Uh it means that you're going away. It means you're going away. Okay. Goodbye. Good uh, hello. Hello? Yeah? Yeah. Hello. What does hello mean? it means they you're coming back okay well good to see you i love you i love you thank you for listening to the luke messia show this program is brought to you by scorecard media check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things texas scorecard media has other podcasts as well yeah they're not as good as this one but you should still check them out Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas.